grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Really only one question remains. Will he find faith on earth? This is the dilemma that Linus faces in the Charlie Brown Halloween special as he awaits the coming of the great pumpkin. And the question is, will the great pumpkin find faith on earth? Certainly among Linus. Linus is a true believer, and so he is calling out to any and all who will hear him, have sincere belief. Does anyone await the great pumpkin the way that I do? He's calling to one and all, repent and believe in the coming of the great pumpkin. He's like John the Baptist with a blankie. <laughs> now, to say that Jesus tells this parable in order to encourage Linus would be a little bit of a stretch, but not as much as you might think. Because Luke tells us the expressed goal of the story that Jesus tells in today's gospel. He says that he tells it in order that you and I might always pray and not lose heart. That we would remain steadfast in faith and continue to petition and pray to our Lord, even when it seems as though his coming is delayed. Even when it seems as though, is he ever going to come? Is there anyone who is awaiting the return of our Savior? And so Jesus tells this story. But it is another one of these strange and even scandalous stories that our Lord tells, as we have a, an unrighteous judge and we have a, a helpless widow, and we wonder, what is he telling us about who God is and about who we are? How are we supposed to understand and interpret and apply this story? But you need to understand that the contrasts are key here. That illumination emerges from the, the daylight that comes from the story, the reality of the story as Jesus tells it, and the reality that we live in as the people of God. The key is in the contrasts. But to see how that's so, let's first go back to the story as Jesus tells it and the strange characters that we have in it. So first of all, we've got this judge. What do we think about this judge? He is not uh, the most savory character. In fact, he is godless. It says that he does not fear God. Furthermore, he is heartless. He doesn't respect man. And not only that, he is utterly pitiless and shameless. As even when somebody who comes to him, looking to him, pleading to him for help, he's got no time for that. He is an utterly unrighteous judge in every way, shape, and form. The one thing he does have, if he doesn't have heart, he doesn't have faith, he doesn't even have shame, what he does have is power. He's the one who holds all the cards. So when somebody comes to him looking for help, looking for justice, he at least has that power and is able to decide when and where he gives it. Which brings us to this widow, because this widow is utterly powerless. She doesn't have a leg to stand on. She's got no standing before this judge. She comes to him wondering whether she could possibly receive some justice. Her adversary is besetting her. She's receiving all these troubles in her life, and so she's wondering maybe somehow this judge is going to come to me. But she doesn't have any grounds on which to make her appeal. So what does she have? She's got one strategy. She's got one arrow left in her quiver. And what's that? to badger him into submission, right? <laughs> Simply to be a pain in the neck. 
That's the only way that she thinks she could possibly ever prevail, that maybe she can be like a kitten with a ball of yarn, and she just keeps slapping him around long enough. Eventually, he's going to give in. And indeed, as Jesus tells the story, this is precisely what happens. This judge who is godless, who is heartless, who is shameless, he tries to put her on the back burner for as long as he can. He, he stalls for as long as he can and thinks maybe she'll just go away. But she doesn't go away. She just keeps coming. And so then finally, even though he is utterly unrighteous, he says, all right, I'll give you justice. Just go away. Does he do it because he's had a change of heart? Because now he has become a righteous judge. A beautiful story of transformation is how his heart has changed. And at the end, he's weeping. He's got his arm around the widow and saying, I should have given justice to you sooner. No, he just doesn't want to get a black eye, right? In fact, the, the Greek word that Jesus uses here literally is that. He doesn't want to get beat about the head. And so he says, fine, just go away. Thus ends the story. You hear a story like that from our Lord, you think, what are we supposed to do with this, Jesus? It's not unlike the one that we heard a few weeks ago about the unjust steward. Jesus tells stories like this, and, you know, I have to say things like, this is the gospel of the Lord. And we're all like, thanks be to God, I guess? What are we to say about this, that, that God is like an unrighteous judge? Or that you and I are helpless widows? And the best that we can hope for is to annoy God as much as we can, to keep knocking on heaven's door. And finally he says, what? What are you, you again? All right, fine, I'll answer your prayers. No, that's not the takeaway. But it's understandable that you could get to that. And indeed, this story has made a lot of good Christian people nervous. But the key, as I say, is to see the contrasts. The illumination emerges from the, the daylight that comes between the reality of the story, as Jesus tells it, and the reality of our life as God's people. See, Jesus tells different kinds of parables. He, he tells the go and do likewise parables. He tells the kingdom of God is like parables. This is what you might call a how much more parable, where Jesus tells a story, and then the reality that we have in him, he wants to say, how much more is this the case for you and me? So let's walk through the story once again and think of it through this perspective, to read it through this how much more lens. Start with that unrighteous judge, the unrighteous, heartless, shameless, godless judge. Jesus says, even this schmuck gives justice to the widow finally. How much more your God, who is not an unrighteous judge, but a righteous father who loves you, who cares for you, how much more will he not put you on the back burner, but instead give you justice speedily? He delights to hear the prayers of his people. He is not grumpy and grouchy in heaven, wondering why you keep badgering him. Instead, he delights every time you and I seek his face and offer up even the simplest, quickest prayer. How much more our God the loving father, and not an unrighteous judge. And what about that widow? See, this widow, this helpless, powerless widow, even she manages to prevail. But how much more you and I, beloved, who are the elect of God, his chosen ones, how much more do you prevail on the throne of the father? 
how much more do you, who are not widows, who are not helpless and lost in this world, but instead are the very bride of Christ. You are the bride of Christ, and you have an advocate with the Father, your bridegroom. See, He is your defender. He is the one who continually brings your calls and your needs before the throne of the Father in heaven and says, Father, hear my cries on behalf of my bride whom I love, whom I lay down my life for. That's who you have. You are not a helpless, powerless widow, but instead you are part of a power couple of the divine bridegroom and you, the bride of Christ. And what is your strategy Is it simply through your ingenuity, through your grit, finally to prevail on God? No, you have a certainty. You have a certainty that is founded and vouchsafed in the promise of our Savior. You don't rely on Hail Marys, whether they be literal or figurative, right? You don't rely on Hail Marys, but you depend upon the heavenly promises of Christ, which are sealed in His blood. That's how you know that your prayers that your petitions, that your calls to the Father are heard and received. Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, Jesus says, he will give it to you. Maybe not right away. Maybe not in the, the way that you expect or the way that you think. But your prayers are heard always on behalf of Christ. And therefore, Jesus is saying to you and me, come to me always. Pray always. Don't lose heart. It's going to be hard in this life when it seems like I'm tearing, like I'm taking my sweet time. Know, friends, that it is because of the patience of God, desiring all to repent and to to come to a knowledge of the truth. God isn't just twiddling his thumbs in heaven, but he knows that it's hard for you and me as we await it. And so Jesus says, pray always, don't lose heart. And here, I've given to you this gift. What's the gift that God has given to you and me? It's what you might call pester power. You know about pester power? I promise you every kid in here knows about pester power. Luther sums it up beautifully in the small catechism, the explanation to the the introduction to to the Lord's prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, what does this mean? By these words, God tenderly invites you and me to believe that we are his true children and that he is our dear Father. And that we can come with all boldness and confidence and ask him as dear children ask their dear father. Now, I am, I hope, a dear father. And I can tell you how dear children ask their dear father. It's over and over and over again until they prevail. God bless them, right? They're going to keep asking. They're not going to give up. They're going to keep doing it. Why? Because I love them and because as my family, as my children, I have entrusted to them, although I never wrote it out actually, but I've given to them implicitly pastor power. (laughs) And God has given it to you and me explicitly through the gift of his son and through the power of his spirit. He's given to us pastor power where he says, he invites, he commands and promises you and me, come, ask me, bother me, wrap on my door as often and as much as you need it for things large and small. Come to me with all boldness and confidence. When I think about a fellow believer who had that boldness and confidence, who who liked to exercise that pester power, I think of one of the sainted professors at the seminary, a guy by the name of Lewis Brighton, Dr. Lewis Brighton. And some of you remember Dr. Carl Brighton, 
a longtime Arcadian, who was the brother of Lewis, if I'm not mistaken. So Dr. Brighton was somebody who was legendary for awaking every day at like 4, 4.30 in the morning so that he could bang on heaven's door for the sake of all those for whom prayers had been requested of him. And he was somebody who constantly was coming to God in prayer. But I remember one time in particular where I got to see this pester power in action. So each day during the week, you have chapel at the seminary. And sometimes more people go, sometimes fewer people go. It was one of these days where there just weren't a lot of people in chapel. And so my friends and I, we went up to the second pew in the chapel. We were very bold. Not so bold to sit in the first pew, but we sat in the second pew. Sitting in the first pew, right in front of us, was Dr. Brighton. And the dean of the chapel this day, he decided, I want to do something different. I'm going to mix it up a little bit which always goes over great with Lutherans. He says, here's what we're gonna do today, guys. And when it comes time for prayer, I'm going to be quiet, and you all can just shout out prayers, intercessions, brief needs to the Father. And I'll say, for this, let us pray to the Lord. We'll all say, Lord, have mercy. We're all like, okay, this is gonna go over great. So it comes time for prayer, and sure enough, there's just dead silence. No one saying a thing, right? We don't, we don't want to be that bold. That would just seem, you know, importune. But there's Dr. Brighton sitting, standing right in front of me. And suddenly, out of nowhere, he starts saying, he starts shouting, Lord Jesus, come soon! You promised that you would come soon, dear Jesus, so do it! Come, we're waiting for you! We're struggling here, Lord! Please, come soon! For this, let us pray to the Lord. <laughs> now, you and I might not quite have the gumption of Dr. Brighton, but know that you share that same pastor power. You possess all the rights and privileges of children, of subjects of the Most High God, of the Heavenly King. You belong in that throne room too. And you too are able to grab him by the lapels and say, come soon. Lord, help. We need you. And he hears it. And he answers. And so really... Only one question remains. Will he find faith when he comes? Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Your father loves you. His son is the divine bridegroom. And we are awaiting not a great pumpkin, but a risen Lord. And he promises, surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand for prayer.